The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of OH Partners, Scott Harkey. All right, welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where we tell the untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the marketers who built them. I'm your host and founder of OH Partners, Scott Harkey. Joining us is Casey Herbest, who's the CMO of Rocket Mortgage, which is America's largest mortgage lender, helping millions achieve the dream of home ownership. They've revolutionized the industry with the world's first online mortgage experience. The mission behind Rocket Mortgage is clear. Make the complicated home financing process simpler using innovative technology and amazing team members. Casey and I talked yesterday about how to build a personal finance mega brand like Rocket Mortgage. And we talk about just a ton of things that were really impactful and how a, a, this 37-year-old startup with Dan Gilbert have turned into just this mega brand. And today we want to talk about some of the big Super Bowl bets that uh, Rocket Mortgage and Casey have had. Let's get into it. Why Super Bowl ads sell mortgages? All right, here's my conversation with Casey Herbis, the CMO at Rocket Mortgage. What's up, brother? We could have talked forever last time, but I, I wanted to break it up and give people that, that little cliffhanger version of podcasts where, where we get... Oh, I appreciate it. My, my wife and uh, children will tell you, you pull a string on my back, I can go for a while. So uh, yeah, I love it. You know, you know, make sure uh, we'll break it up into two parts. So excited to be with you again here. Thank you. And, and Casey, we're, we're, it's the day after Thanksgiving, he's made time for this podcast and just so much appreciated. But let's... Let's jump in. We're about a month and a half away, a month and a half, maybe two months away from Super Bowl. You've made some of the biggest bets. I remember last year, so nervous before Ad Meter, and um, I was like, "Okay, well, what you know, what production companies are you using? Like, take us through the behind the curtain of Super Bowl and how they've helped you guys grow your business, and maybe even where you were scared to make some bets or some creative that you weren't sure about. Like, take us through. The, like, can you take us behind the curtain a little bit of kind of your life of doing marketing campaigns at the highest level. Yeah, and um, as I mentioned yesterday, I mean, Super Bowl as a marketer, it is the most exciting and terrifying 60 seconds, if you run 60, you know, 60 seconds of a uh, of your career. I, was in, I don't go to the, if we're in the Super Bowl, I'm not sitting there at the game, I'm working. We run a 50-person war room, making sure everything is going right, right? Whether it's the dot-com, the PR, social, activation, whatever it might be. But it's a process. I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough that prior to joining Rocket five and a half years ago, I spent 25 years in automotive and I was at Chrysler, Fiat, now Stellantis, right? Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Fiat, Alfa Romeo, uh, Maserati. And I was fortunate enough that I was the uh, NAFTA marketing director for Fiat 
in uh, when Fiat was launching back in the U.S. in 2011 and 12 and those years. And uh, we did three Super Bowl commercials, two at Fiat, one at Alfa Romeo that I was really a part of. And I had never been a part of Super Bowl before. And it is uh, a lot of the what I learned back in those days is carried over to Rocket, where we've been in five Super Bowls. We launched the Rocket Mortgage brand uh, in the Super Bowl in 2016. I joined in 17. We've done four since. We did a campaign with Keegan-Michael Key and Jason Momoa, Tracy Morgan, and then this past year with Anna Kendrick and the world's most recognizable celebrity, uh, Barbie. And uh, it is not for the faint of heart. It's generally it's got a seven-month, seven to eight-month process. I mean, we'll start, you know, we'll start working on the brief and getting ready for it. Is you may or may not know, we're primarily an in-house agency. Uh, we're a 300-person agency within Rocket, and we service not only the Rocket Mortgage brand, but 14 other, 13 other fintech brands, loans, solar, auto, personal finance, the list goes on and on. And so when we commence on a Super Bowl uh, campaign and that, that road, yes, our creative team pitches. I have 100 folks in creative. I want our creative team to win. But if you're going to go on the world's biggest stage, you better have the right idea. And so we actually bring outside agencies, jump ball, if you will, per se, to, you know, to compete for that. And, you know, we'll start off in July with about 150 ideas. We whittle it down. I mean, I could talk for hours how we get there. And then ultimately, probably around November-ish or early December, you know, we're down to a two or three different ideas, generally with celebrities and talent. And we're, vet- we're doing all the vetting and we're testing the celebrities and so on and so forth to make sure you know, do we have the right idea? Is it relevant? The, the four criteria that we utilize, Scott, when we're thinking about Super Bowl, is it relevant? Is it simple? Is it unexpected? And is it epic? I always say, is it Super Bowl worthy? What I always want to try and do, or what I want to be a part of, is I want other CMOs or CEOs to walk into the meet, the, the building that Monday and going, why didn't we think about that? Or did you see what they did? Why didn't we come up with something like that? That's my goal. If I've seen it before, if we've seen it before, if we think someone else has done it, or it feels like it's a retread of an idea, or it's just blah or meh, as the kids say, I'm out. If we're going to spend $20 million in 60 seconds, I want to make sure it's relevant, simple, unexpected, and epic. Wow. Okay, so we know a little bit about the cost for time. been very well reported and... A lot of the marketers can kind of wrap their head around that. But can you help us understand, I mean, you talked about seven, eight months out, a jump ball of agencies to do the work. Could you get us an idea for, okay, let's say I'm an up-and-coming CMO and I'm ready to, to make a big bet and I'm looking at Super Bowl. Like, What should they be thinking about in terms of timing and budget? Like, How should they structure a program like that? I mean, we, what would production and celebrities cost? Like, how would you advise someone to think about that? Yeah, and it's a great question. I mean, quite honestly, some of it, I mean, I didn't have a playbook to work from. A lot of it's been, even though I've been fortunate enough to do seven Super Bowl campaigns, I will tell you, there isn't a playbook that I just blow the dust off of every June and say, all right, let's go back at it. It's also about establishing best practices, talking to other brands and CMOs about how they approach it. Because not what we, everything we do is certainly not perfect. And I've learned a lot along the way. Uh, but as I mentioned, it's a long, long process. I mean, God, we start it in really June, July. We start with the briefing. We'll see upwards of 150 ideas round one, probably cut it down to 50 around there. And then we start to work the ideas. We start to vet it, probably go from 50 to 30 down to 15. And by the time we get to 15, 
We've maybe done some, uh, we've done maybe some testing just to understand, are we hitting the relevant clear, unexpected, epic? Because we're looking at celebrity or talent or whatever it might be. That's a very, very important part. I mean, one is a huge investment, no matter what. And then ultimately, at the end of the day, you're borrowing equity from one another. So you better make sure whomever you're working with, right? He, she, or they, like, do they align to your brand? Do they align to your values? And about, you know, and also what are you asking them to do above and beyond maybe the commercial, right? We really truly believe in forming partnerships and working and understanding what the, you know, the talent's um, passion points are and things that we can collaborate on. Barbie was a great example this year is Barbie, the Barbie brand and Mattel, very passionate about working with inner cities and with schools and underprivileged youth. And that's something certainly we align with at Rocket and in Detroit. And so those are the types of things you find out along the way. But, you know, budget, the media is the media costs. And when it comes to when it comes to production, again, I've seen some brands that can tell they don't probably invest a lot in the production and what they do. And that's fine if that's your choice. I mean, we've always taken the tact of if you're going to step up to that stage, you got to go big. And we're not a believer in doing anything that is what I call a one and done. I want to make sure that what we are, whatever we build for the Super Bowl is also campaign, campaignable. And that we're fortunate, Rocket, that we're a 24-7, 365 brand. We're on air at all times. Uh, we're like McDonald's, right? We're, we flight pretty, uh, pretty even across the board. But I want to make sure that whatever we do is also campaignable. And that, that factors into it as well. Some brands maybe can't afford or they just want that quick moment in the sun of the Super Bowl. And maybe shortly thereafter, if there's other sporting events or whatever it might be. But we really believe in that when we launch something in the Super Bowl, how can we have something that also has legs and it doesn't wear out over three, six months? Or in the case of the Tracy Morgan campaign we did in 2020, 2021, excuse me that it was, we ran that for almost a year because it was had so much legs to it. You see some brands, Jimmy John's is one of my favorites. I love the, with the Brad Garrett and the Tony Baloney, whatever it is. I just love that because that was a Super Bowl campaign and it feels just as fresh today than I've seen over the past year because I keep like iterating on that moment in the Super Bowl. I love that. And, and we have a saying too, you can't just have a one-off spot anymore, right? It has to be... Delivering a, a campaign platform that has evergreen opportunity. I remember the old rule of thumb with productions like, okay, I have a $10 million media buy. I can, if I'm doing a really good job as an agency, I can get 20% of that to go to production. That's $2 million to do it. I wish I had that kind of percentage, but, uh, yeah, yeah, but you're right. Right. But I mean, I mean, bigger brands like you guys are spending half a billion dollars, obviously 20%. It's not going to cover, but is there, do you have any rule of thumb on production percentage? I'm getting really into the weeds. Asking for a friend question here, why, why yeah. I have you. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've got a rule of thumb. I mean, I've got an average, you know, an average cost, uh, production cost per day that I, I really try to have the teams work towards. I mean, that's like, right, if we're going to turn the lights on, and when we turn the lights on, we're not just shooting TVC. When, if you were to ever come one of our productions, we'll have four or five cameras running at any given time. Right. We're shooting the TVC. We're shooting green screen digital. We got a drone shooting over photography, stills, whatever it might be. And our cost per day is flat without with while running all those cameras. So to me, it's about driving efficiency. So I've got an average cost per day. And when it comes to talent, we'll do a lot of research. I mean, you could imagine some talent can get very, very expensive and some talent can ask for the moon and they'll get it. It's all about supply and demand. I mean, we're a firm believer also like, we have a lot to offer a talent. We're not a one and done. It is going to be campaignable. 
you know, we're going to help him, her, or their brand as well. I mean, Jason Momoa had never done a, a commercial before he worked with us. Tracy Morgan, who's obviously well been beloved for 20, 30 years, and, you know, now he's getting a lot more work. Anna Kendrick really had only done one brand commercial before us. Barbie had never been in the Super Bowl before working with us. And so it's also fun is knowing and helping, knowing that we can help the talent grow their brand and their business through our marketing efforts. You're thinking of it differently than I've thought about it in the past. And I'm, I'm definitely thinking of it more old school, which I, I love that thought is talent and production are, are different and they, they're separated in different buckets. And, and just looking at a production budget per day and maximizing the value from social content to lifestyle photography to everything. And then really finding the, the celebrities and brands that fit from a partnership standpoint rather than like these line item budgets. But I, I want to go back to about the Barbie. I have two questions. Question one about Barbie is, you know, how is that? Because I'm a huge fan of collaborations and I don't think they're going away, whether influencers, celebrity collabs, or I, I love brand on brand collabs. Like how do you go to Mattel and, and get that done? And like, and how do you think about it? I can imagine like I've seen a lot of collabs that I've been involved in brand collabs where sometimes people get a little stingy on their audience and, either partner feels they're bringing more to the table uh, in negotiations. How should people be thinking about collabs? I mean, you put on a, one of the most successful collabs we've seen with Barbie in the Super Bowl spot. Like, how should be people thinking about it? And how did that come about from you guys? Great question. So we saw the Barbie idea, if you will, uh, fairly early on in the process. And we really liked it. And as we went from 150 to 50, and let's say even at that stage of 50, sometimes you see an idea and you're like, wow. This could be it, right? And it's early. And there's ideas sometimes that, you know, you kind of keep on the back burner or you kind of keep feeding to see if something hits. Uh, quite honestly, one of the, the campaigns we did a few years ago was like, it was like maybe on the back shelf, on the back burner, and we ended up, it kept getting better and better and, you know, also the hit. But the Barbie one, very early on when we saw the collaboration with Barbie, quite honestly, it was all Barbie. We didn't even have another talent in there. And you know, we challenged the agency partner, High Dive, uh, like, hey, why wouldn't we want to bring somebody in to maybe help tell the story of Rocket Mortgage, Rocket Homes? But as we were doing that exploration, I said, you know what? Before we even do that, let's go have a conversation with uh, Mattel. Because if Mattel's not interested, I don't want to waste everyone's time. And I, I told the agency, like, I will personally pitch the idea to Mattel because I want them to see... You know, now granted, we're in our process and we weren't making any promises, but I wanted to make sure that they saw that the client, if you will, was invested in the idea. And um, I pitched their executive leadership. And quite honestly, I was like, listen, what? Barbie's got 99% brand awareness. She's never done Super Bowl. And if I may be honest with myself, they don't need us. I mean, they, and, and um, you know, and when you have a brand as powerful as Barbie, they could easily have said, you know what? We're good. Or, you know, especially if they weren't in full control, right? And brands like that generally like to be in very much control of their brand and the equity that they built. And they said yes, in terms of like, we like the idea. Now, that wasn't like, all right, let's go shoot. I mean, it was months of then, okay, we have another brand we need to work with. We talk different. We act different. We, our processes are different. We have different lawyers. You can imagine, you know, at the end of the day, we need to make sure that my biggest fear was I couldn't have a Barbie commercial. That, that wasn't going to bode me well. But how could we have a Rocket commercial with Anna, with Barbie, that helped tell the story of our brands? And even got down to one of our isms is being obsessed with finding a better way. And 
one of those things that I realize is always let your brand partners or your partners be in the process, in the weeds with you. And so when we're on set, I mean, we had, we had as many people from Mattel on set making sure that their brand was properly represented, that they were happy with whether it be lines or action or whatever it might be. And because, you know, by the time we get to the post edit, I couldn't afford for, I couldn't afford for them not to like an idea or a line or something like that, you know, as we were going through the post edit. And it's truly about, it's about partnerships and uh, truly developing a trust based partnership from the very beginning and no different, whether it's talent or another brand like Mattel. Wow. Just, okay. A couple just takeaways there. One, to have the self-awareness and the data to understand who you're talking to, what their power as a brand is, and to come to the humility, you know, with, I mean, you guys spend more money than they do from a, from a media standpoint, but to go, man, you're Barbie. We want to work with you and, and to have that humility, which is, I've seen other brands come a little more heavy handed from a partnership standpoint. I, I love that. I think that's genius. And the other thing I keep hearing from you that I think a lot of people should take away um, I'm certainly taking a big, taking away a lot from it, which is bring people into the process. We as an industry, I think have, have gotten a little comfortable to wanting control and to want to have the ta-da kind of moment, like be behind the curtain and like, we're so smart. And, you know, we came up with this idea ta-da and not want to bring people into the process. And I'm hearing the exact opposite from you. And I think a lot of people should really double star that that message that you're bringing to people in the industry. And then uh, you're, you're exactly right. Another example is the talent. It'd be very easy for us to come to an agreement with a talent and say, please, so-and-so, say this, do this, and we're done. In all of the cases, all of the cases, whether it was Keegan, Jason, Tracy, and Anna, like they were part of the creative process. Like I'll never forget one time we were in New York getting ready for the uh, Keegan shoot. And Keegan in like, whatever they call them, Snowcopolis, whatever, like, you know, like 60 mile an hour winds, blah, blah, blah. Keegan rolls into the agency and sat with us for five hours writing. Wow. Tracy Morgan sat there. Jason Momoa called us on set. He was shooting something else for Apple TV. And we went and met him. He had shot all night. So he was shooting nights. And we got there at 10 a.m. in the morning. So he just rolled off the set. And he sat with us for half a day just writing. And it wasn't like, here's a script, read it, I'm out. It was also because he knows that, like, all right, if I'm going to step on the world's biggest stage, I want to make sure that, like, I'm proud of it and that we're proud of it together. And, again, that you know, yes, there is a transaction, make no mistake. But that transaction, like, we want to build that trust-based relationship with the talent as well because you also may get more out of them, you know, if you will, or, you know, versus what's in a contract. But also, it's that they're showing that they're personally and professionally engaged, involved, and they want it to be a success as well. I mean, it's their brand that they're putting out there at the same time. Oh, man, that's really, man, because again, we can be sort of control freaks in this business. And that yeah. is the. It'd be, very, it'd be very easy for me to say, if we're paying you, say this, do that, and very transactional, but kind of like that's not who we are as a company or culture. and. You know, that's again, that's where I want to build is trust-based relationships, whether it's with a, a brand, another brand or our talent. Uh, man, I love that. Again, I'm, I'm probably running long in this podcast or we're running long, but I don't care. Like, this is awesome. The other just quick thing I want to point out is 
I think uh, a lot of agency people, me included, like I'll have these like agency crushes, you know, uh, yeah. 72 and 70 for a long time. Drogo, when they were in their height, I just loved their work. It was like, oh, everything they put out was awesome. But right now, High Dive is one of those agencies, total man crush right now on High Dive and the spots they've done for you and others. Like, how is it like working with an agency like High Dive? What makes them so special? I know it's kind of a side note, but I, you, caught, you, you mentioned it. I did want to talk about it because yeah, great question. And a lot, a lot of folks also ask me, you know, as I mentioned, having a large in-house agency, like, how does your creative team feel about it? I mean, is that soul crushing? Does that hurt? Now, I want nobody wants the in-house creative team to quote unquote win a Super Bowl pitch more than I. But we have to make the right decision, right, for the investment in the company. So, of our Super Bowl campaigns, three of them have been done by High Dive. The first one was huge out of Brooklyn and Detroit. And, uh, you know, high dive one, uh, we'll call it the jump ball fair and square. And so when we make that decision with the idea and the subsequent agency, our creative team literally bolts on and becomes an additive part of that agency. One of the reasons why working with an agency like high dive works so well for us is that they're not a large shop. I mean, I don't know how many people they have 40, 50 team members. They flex along the way. And when we do a campaign for each of our Super Bowl campaigns, that look, we'll have four, five, six hundred unique pieces of content. Quite honestly, they don't have the capacity, the scope, the size to do it. So our creative and production team literally serves as like the digital social extensions. Uh, we're running the second, third unit on set. We're doing a lot of the editing ourselves, working hand in hand with High Dive's, you know, executive leadership and creative team. But High Dive, if, if, if you know about the High Dive story, a lot of their leadership came from amazing, awesome Chicago agencies, DDB, and I think FCB, Leo Burnett, and their leadership, their creative leadership team, I think, if I remember correctly, has like 50-plus Super Bowl campaigns under their belt. And I came upon them via a, someone else I knew and recommended them, and they're great to work with. We start with a clean slate every year, make no mistake. It's not... It's for you to it's for you to lose. It's best idea wins, and they've happened to have the last three with us. And and it, you also there talk about trust based relationship because it isn't an AOR relationship. It's a three four five month dating you know dating cycle. And that you know and, and you're getting married on Super Bowl Sunday, and you know we'll see what happens the next day, and then we kind of move on. We kind of move on after the Super Bowl, and we we come back together. But you got to make sure too. Am I also developing a trust-based relationship because the pressure, the tensions, and the creative angst is high when it comes to Super Bowl? And you got to make sure that it's not just the CMO saying, this is what we're doing, what have you. It's got to be that true partnership, even if it's not a, you know, quote unquote, AOR, you know, relationship. The last question on Super Bowl is how do you quantify the social and organic reach that Super Bowl brings? And then how do you execute additional resources for influencer social kind of PR around that? How should brands be thinking about that? Yeah, great, great question. Um, you know, listen, when it comes to Super Bowl, it's no longer just what's happening in the game. It's what are you doing before, during, and after. Um, that's a big part of our process as well. The brief and the idea, generally the first two or three rounds, we're only looking at like the king, right? The in-game 30 or 60, whatever it might be. And then about the third round, then we're like, okay, what does this look like before, during, and after? And we start to work on those ideas. And so when you think about, all right, how do you quantify? One of it is certainly there's a lot of you know paid media that you're going to have, whether it's and we don't release our spots before the game. We don't. We I love to wait until the moment of the game to share that. But one of the secrets that we've had is like our teaser strategies. We quite frankly 
Like we kind of rip ideas while we're on set with the talent and we have found some really amazing success with Jason and Tracy. And then this year with Anna and Harvey, where we're getting 12, 15, 20 million views, all organic earned media, no paid behind them, be utilizing our talent and, you know, our, our uh, partner um, channels. I mean, it feels pretty good when you're a Detroit-based mortgage company and you're getting written up in Variety, People, Us Weekly, TMZ, whatever it might be, because you're you've got the equity of the talent. So there's a lot of earned media that we're getting as a result, and certainly, I mean, we're not spending that kind of money just to pat ourselves on the back. We got to make sure we're driving business results. So yes, we see that 20, 30, 40 percent site visit increase. But how do you sustain that? How do you get that blip, if you will, on site traffic or IE traffic for us? And then how do you also keep that sustained throughout the campaign? Because there's that big moment, but in that big moment, you know, the water cooler and stuff, you know, lives for a week or so, but then you got to be able to sustain and show that the investment brings good business outcomes. Are we at a point now where some of the other things and social credibility around a Super Bowl campaign is more eyeballs and views than the actual ad in game? It depends. I mean, you'll see, you'll see some advertisers and I've got suspicions how they go about it, but I mean, you'll see some advertisers that have a higher view count on their, on their spots going into it right after the game, right? It's probably mostly paid, you know, whether it's view, true view, whatever it might be. I mean, we look just to garner the earned and the organic traffic with our pre, with our teaser strategy. And then afterwards too, I mean, how do we lean on our friends and tie threads with partners that we have? I mean, we own the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? Dan Gilbert, our chairman founder, owns the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we have partnerships with the PJ Tour and NFL teams and Detroit Tigers and so on and so forth. We literally have every partner we have help share our Super Bowl campaigns. Wow. Right? And so I work with Ricky Fowler, right, from the PJ Tour. Ricky's got a different audience than maybe what we have as Rocket Mortgage. Or he certainly has a different audience than Barbie and Anna Kendrick. But... He has something to say about us. People are going to listen or they'll engage, whatever it might be. And so I would say to win the Super Bowl, big part of it is what happens in the game. But it's really what happens before and after that really dictates who, you know, quote unquote, wins, you know, wins the game. I love that. You guys are looking at all avenues of partnership. It's not just, hey, here's our contract and uh, you owe us a social post kind of deal. But you guys really think of it in terms of partnership. And in terms of everything that you do, the Super Bowl stuff was, I think, fascinating. We'll probably want to even reshare this during Super Bowl because there's just a ton of nuggets for people that hopefully have the courage to do what they think. But to have the courage, you need the process and and the data to make those decisions to really give you the courage to make big bets. Would you have done the QR code spot? <laughs> Would you? That I thought I thought that was super ballsy. I was like, you know what? Art, science, and courage. Yes. Listen, I'll, I'll keep my language clean. Yeah. When I saw that spot air, I was like, good. I mean, granted, there's been a lot that's happened in that space since then. But um, when I saw that, I was like, brilliant. Yeah, it was it good. It was brilliant. Because you know why? Could you imagine somebody walked into a boardroom and said, okay, we're going to go spend $9 million on a commercial and blah, 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 blah. And here's the idea. <laughs> like, it was, I called it the cheapest production. Yeah, I know. I, I, to this day, I don't know how much they spent on the idea, but it couldn't have been much. And when I saw that, remember what I told you earlier? How many, I said it, granted, it wouldn't have been right for our brand, but we'll never see that idea again because they broke it, right? Nope. And that, yep. 
Yeah. How many CEOs and CMOs that maybe were in the game that day said, why didn't we do something I like know, that? I know. We're going to save so much and, money. And somebody had the chutzpah and the intestinal fortitude, one, to pitch the idea, and two, God bless, you know, their executive leadership and that they said, let's do it. No, I know. It was genius. Now, to this day, I don't know why it ranked dead last on USA Today ad meter. To me, I also think like crypto and where it was, you know, geez, it seems like 20, 20 years ago. But now we're crypto, you know, like at the end of the day, that crypto audience and who were they trying to target wasn't my mom and dad. Yeah, or, exactly. You know, the public, yep. it was certainly to a more of a defined audience and those that are early or now mid adopters of crypto, whatever, you know, however you feel about it. But that's when I saw that, I was like, damn, that was smart. I mean, right. They broke the website. They broke the website. Even though it was the, le- it was the least liked ad on USA Today ad near, which we number one, we won number one. So I'm not, but it also, I think if I remember correctly, was I think it, that coin, it was Coinbase had the highest like earned media value from their campaign. Oh yeah. Just talk about everything. Check, check, check. Like, good for that. Okay, so just again, to re- recap that, we're going to, the podcast title should be Art, Science, and Courage. And we've talked a lot about the courage side. Send me a residual check and you can do it. Yeah, exactly. I know, exactly. We, we, gotta, we, need to cut a little, <laughs> we need to cut a little deal here. Okay, so final words for marketers out there. Maybe final words of encouragement is probably into planning towards the end of this year and we're thinking about next year. What sort of wisdom would you leave to our brand marketers out there? Yeah, great question. I mean, you and I were chatting a little bit offline, if you will, before we got started. And, you know, I've been around 30 years and I've seen some, you know, crazy business cycles, right? In the automotive world, I'll never forget what was happening in in a lot of business, but automotive when the planes hit the tower in 2001, right? And America was trying to get back on its feet. And, you know, what we all went through, but I think about in the Fit Mortgage and the automotive space in 2008, 9, and 10, right? You had two of our three automakers go bankrupt. You had meltdowns across different sectors and we're in challenging times right now. And so for those of us that have been through those cycles, while this is challenging, I try to remind the younger people on my team, it is an hard, you know, it was hard. It was hard in 01. It was hard in 8, 9, and 10 a lot of ways. This is challenging, but we've got experience and where to learn from. But what I always try to remind myself is what got us here will not get us there. So you always need to be challenging yourself on how can we look at doing, whether it's brand, performance, whatever it might be, like how can we be different? What can you learn? Test. I mean, going back to art, science, and uh, courage, that's the beauty of science. The science lets you test and learn and iterate and grow. So you can take chances. If you have a wild, crazy idea, you can test it and not hurt anybody, right? And you can test that. Thank God I tested it because that would have been a utter disaster, or it gives you the courage to go for it. That's where I'm like using data a lot right now is one is to understand our clients, their needs, what have you, but it's also how to use the data to really test, test the boundaries, if you will, on the art and the courage. And um, we're going to be doing more of that. Make no mistake. I'm going to use that data to my advantage or our advantage, but you know, it's a challenging time now and 23 is going to, you know, continue, I think, with, with challenges across a wide variety of, uh, you know, industries. And, but we'll be better. We'll be better when we come out on the other side. I love that, especially as knowing what potentially we're going to go into is, is, is a correction. I can imagine in the mortgage space, you know, you guys are, are ready and strategizing. 
I want to go back to, again, the, the over the last two podcasts, you know, one of the big insights for me and a quick story, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast the other day, and he really talked about the process of comics going on stage. And my, my friend's a comic in LA and, and been to the comedy spot many times. If you go to a comedy spot in LA, what, what you realize is that it's where all the major comics are testing material, right? It's it's 10 yep. comics going on for 15 minutes apiece. They get paid nothing, but it's the biggest names in the industry. And they're testing their material out there. And I think it, back to your point just now about testing, when we talk about courage or we talk about making big bets, you know, Eric and I talked about making a lot of big bets that were successful as one, I think, one of the better CMOs in the world. If you're bringing people into the process and you're testing the material and that can give you the courage to make those big bets in the right way. And that's definitely what a, kind of a theme I heard from you today, which is art, science and courage. You need all of them. The more you test, the more you bring people into the process with you, whether it's brand collabs or influencers or celebrities or Super Bowl partners or in-house agencies or out-of-house agencies, bringing people into that process and testing the insights that you think are going to land for consumers will give you the courage to make huge bets. I mean, multi-million dollar bets in your case. So thank you so much for coming on. I know a lot of people are going to uh, use this information and be able to make just better marketing because we see a lot of crap out there and uh, it's great to see good damn work. So th- thank you I so much. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes when I see that work, I call it, you know, I call it, it's, it gets boardroom applause, but then it doesn't mean anything outside of it. Yeah. Yeah. You made the CEO happy because, you know, or the, you know, the, his wife was, you know, helping them, you know, with, with copy, <laughs> you made the salespeople happy or, or whatever, right? And you did some safe, nice, safe work. And, but, you know, the best marketers in the world. And again, I'm going to use you and Eric. I don't know if you know Eric, formerly from Kings Hawaiian, who's on one of our early podcasts, but treat the business like it's your own business. As a CMO, you play it safe or toast. You need to treat it like you're the entrepreneur. Every dollar you're spending is your money as an entrepreneur. And if you were, doing it as your own money, like what would you do? You would take the risk. You would make big bets. You would test the data. You wouldn't do safe stuff just to keep you out of trouble and keep your job longer. That's what I'm really seeing from some of the most successful CMOs, that that same trend. So man, thank you again. We'll let you get back to uh, family Thanksgiving festivities. But that's going to conclude the podcast today. Big thanks to Casey Herbis, CMO of Rocket Mortgage, for joining us. And uh, boy, so much to learn. Again, if you want notes on that, you can go to our, our LinkedIn profile or our, all of our channels, which I told you are the rebrandpod.com and, and hear more about that. If you'd like to hear more about Casey, you'll find his uh, LinkedIn profile in our show notes and contact him on Twitter, where his handle is Casey Herbis, and that's H-U-R-B-I-S, or visit their company website at rocketmortgage.com. Just one other link I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to the rebrandpod.com where we'll have summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our newsletter, or if you want to talk about the most impactful marketing campaign, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the Reband podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at rebrandpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the good stuff. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at SharkyAZ, also on Instagram and LinkedIn at Scott Harkey. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want daily stream of marketing campaign brilliance in your podcast feed. We publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be right back in your business feed the next day. Okay, that's it for today. But next time, remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand. 